Hey there, We Can't Wrestle Podcast listeners. If you haven't noticed, we have switched our server to Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app, or go to anchor.fm to get started. Highly recommended by me and everybody else here at the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Well, 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 you can't wrestle. So what did you do? You went out there and you started a podcast. You got that right. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the We Can't Wrestle podcast. And I am Brian Pillman Jr. The We Can't Wrestle podcast is a podcast about wrestling and a bunch of guys that don't know how to do it. But I, Brian Pillman Jr., am very good at pro wrestling, so I don't need to start a podcast called the We Can't Wrestle podcast, but I'll gladly put my name on the brand. I'll gladly go on the line to say that the We Can't Wrestle podcast is one of the most informative, most balanced, non-biased podcasts out there. Thank you very much, and have a good listen. Hello wrestling fans, to all of you listening on any podcast app that you're listening, or for those of you listening on WrestleNet Radio, this is the latest edition of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Nate Maxson here with you, and this is a Brothers Maxson edition of the show this week, just the two of us. Of course, my brother Aaron. I think we have before. (laughs) My brother Aaron is here with me. And uh, this week we are going to talk about a topic that we were both talking about was hard to to, to narrow down this list. The three most important wrestling matches of the past 40 years. Now, the reason that I said the past 40 years was I'm 42 years old and have lived through. I've been watching wrestling since 1983 I have looked back on wrestling from before that, but I, I didn't want to say of all time because then you get into, well, what about George Hackenschmidt and Frank Gotch and you know, whatever. And what about Lu- it? What about, well, yeah. What about Luthez versus et cetera, et cetera. So I didn't want to, I didn't want to do all time, but just do of our lifetime of the past. So we rounded out 40 years. They, The three most important matches of the past 40 years is what we're going to discuss on this holiday weekend of the 4th of July. But one thing I did want to bring up, Aaron, before we start, because I know we were both fans of him this week. We lost Del Wilkes kind of suddenly to a massive heart attack. Those of you that know, he wrestled as the Patriot. And I just wanted to reflect on it a little bit because when we were younger... ESPN, the GWF, man, I loved the Patriot. And then going into WCW and then the WWF, like, and I know he had his personal demons and internet trolls like to bring that shit up on the internet when people die. Um, He had his personal demons, but he wasn't the kind of guy like, say, a guy we'd shit on like a Buck Zumhoff, where his personal demons affected other people. You know, or I mean, I guess they, you know what I mean. Like yeah. he wasn't he he had his demons, but he wasn't a trash bag human. And I hate when Pete, somebody dies and then they're like, "Yeah, but he did all these drugs and blow." Uh, yeah, okay, <laughs> find me a lot of wrestlers that didn't. You know, find me a lot of people that didn't. Right. <laughs> I mean, not the wrestlers aren't people, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, just in you, general, it, 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 you can delve into anybody's life and find something they did that was unredeemable or whatever. Right. That's not the time to do it, and. Unless it's necessary, like you know, like when Bob Sweetan died, yeah, fuck that, yeah, fuck it, yeah, fuck that, human piece of shit, <laughs> fuck him off, 
I wish he was dead. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that guy should be dead. Grizzly Smith. Grizzly Smith. Glad yeah. you're dead. <laughs> yeah, glad you're dead. You know, those type of people are, are trash. You know? But, no welts. Um, I enjoyed the Patriot. Like Me I said, too. in PWF, he was awesome. Um, in WCW, he had a good run in WCW. He's honestly the only time, like, I know I've besmirched him a few times and, and also his family, but he's like the only time I really enjoyed like Marcus Bagwell. I thought stars and stripes were a good team. Mm-hmm. Um, when he, I wish he would have got to the WWF in like 95. Yeah. Before he was hurt. Um, because that's when around that time is I've listened to interviews with him before around that time is when he started it, it, like, I, I think he fucked his shoulder up or something and got hooked on pills and shit like that mm-hmm. and lied to the WWE about being healthy and this, that, and the other thing. Cause he wanted to get in there and I've watched his stuff when he was in Japan and he was over, over there and did a good job. Yeah. Del Welks was awesome. Um, was a, was a solid wrestler in the ring, and I just we, I, I don't want to say damaged goods, but I kind of it's kind of like I wish this is going to be a weird comparison, but it's almost like it's almost like Brian Pillman, like he got to the WWF after it was already too late for him to reverse the yeah. problem he was having. Yep, no, you're not wrong at all. I think. Um... The two, the two things I will mention the most about him that I want to put over the most, I guess, would say the GWF. Um, I was I was a fan of watching that promotion, and Aaron was too. We both were watching that promotion when we were kids, and I was always I was always intrigued by his very long feud with the Dark Patriot, Doug Gilbert. I mean, yeah, they drug it out, but for me as a teen or you know a young teen or whatever watching it we day to day to day, GWF was how have they produced that much television? But anyway, um, I always thought that was cool, and I thought I thought that that he was. You're right. It was sad that he got to the WWF when he did, because first of all, they were. I think even if he wouldn't have gotten hurt. I don't think that he would have lasted because they were headed into the Attitude Era at that point. And I think that either, well, maybe he could have been like a Kurt Angle-esque heel. And I don't, I, don't think, I don't think that gimmick would have worked in the way they, they presented. They, the WWF also knew that because mm. they started having him like take, like he even cut promos without his mask on and stuff and was talking about being Del Welks and uh, two-sport athlete and all that other stuff. And this is going to sound probably silly too, but like imagine Dell Welts versus Yokozuna instead of Lex Luger versus. Yeah, Yoko. No, that's what I was just about to say. When I, when you watch him in the GWF and WCW, all you're thinking the whole time you're watching him is this guy's made to be in Vince McMahon's WWF. Like he was per, he would have been perfect in that role um, in, in the WWF, even as opposed to Luger, you know, instead of going with Luger, going with the Patriot, I mean that was ninety three, and I guess that wouldn't have been too early, you know, because he was he was already in WCW in ninety three, wasn't he? I mean, he about, and he had already had a, I mean his career, he would already had a career. He was in AWA as the Trooper and all that shit. So mm-hmm. it's not like he would have been. It's not like when he got to GWF, he was just some rookie they found or whatever. He had already been working for a couple of years. So, so yeah, like I said, I just wanted to reflect a little bit on uh, on Del Wilkes and rest in peace, sir. And uh, and we were two fans of yours. So uh, for those of you that didn't like him, you can piss up a rope, as Jim Cornette would say. <laughs> Who'd you ever beat? <laughs> All right, let's roll into this topic we have here this week. The three most important. Not saying we're not saying these are our favorite matches. We're not saying these are the best matches. The most important matches for the pro wrestling industry of the past 40 years. And Aaron, I will give you the Duke first here. All right. Um, I'm not going to go in order of when they happened. I'll just start. We'll go with Ric Flair versus Harley Race, Starcade 1983. That is also one of my three. I'll go ahead and let you give your reasons and we'll see. Why I made honorable mentions. I figured that <laughs> would happen. Um, 
it's a when you look back on it, it's not the greatest match ever. Um, it's also not even Flair's first title reign, but mm-hmm. it's it's the one that catapulted him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like when he beat Dusty, like there wasn't any can like or there were probably cameras there, but like it was little fanfare and it was just a match and. I it, think like it wasn't I've, like they were going to put the rocket on Flair and set him to the moon, you know. But mm-hmm. this one, this was the the coming out party for arguably the greatest professional wrestler and the greatest professional wrestling career of all time. And I was going to say, if there is if there is footage of that Flair Dusty match, I think it's like that eight millimeter stuff. Yeah, you know, with just like clips of the match and Gordon Sully going ah ah Dusty Rhodes. Um, but another thing about that match is, uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. We're talking about the matches themselves, but it is one of the best lead ups, like from beginning to end, the the angle and the lead ups to that match are some of the best shit ever. Like there's that, there's that Ric Flair. They have that Ric Flair DVD, the ultimate Ric Flair. I don't watch a lot of my DVDs anymore. You know, obviously with the network and stuff, like most of my DVDs are DVDs are in like two humongous totes here in this in the house. But that DVD literally has an entire disc that just chronicles just that feud, all the the the, the matches leading up to it, the angle. And, and I will get that DVD out and dust that bitch off at like once a year and just watch that because that is riveting wrestling TV. It is so well done. Kabuki. I mean, <laughs> somebody take the damn money. And um, it's got like Bob Wharton turn on him, and all. It's just it's all good stuff. And it was that that, that scene where Harley's just standing up beside his car, like yeah. standing beside his Cadillac with his afro and <laughs> checkered suit and all that. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's all good stuff. And Harley did a great Harley knew that Ric Flair was the guy and did his job. Flair did his job. It's, um, it's the most entertaining baby face, Ric Flair. I mean, yeah. Cause Ric Flair, I, I love Ric Flair. He's, you know what I mean? Like he's, yeah. he's a one, a two with Randy Savage for me, but he's just, He's a much better heel, but in this aspect, it worked for him. You know, plane crash. I came back from this. I came back from that. Harley was still good enough to pull it off, even though he was kind of aging out. Mm -hmm. And it's just, and like I said, it's the match that catapulted the greatest wrestler of all time into the stratosphere. And for those of you younger fans that don't know, Starcade. Starcade was the original pay per view. Yes, you know Vince. Vince, yeah, Vince did WrestleMania and brought brought the glitz and glamour to it. But that Starcade '83 Flair for the Gold was the first uh, was the first pay per view to you know. I mean, I don't I I don't know how many households it was in. I don't know how many circuits. I'd have to look it up to see how many uh, movie theaters and stuff like that. But it was a big deal. I don't know if it was any households. I think it was all closed circuit. I think, I think, but yeah, it was just, it's, it's, it's the match of matches in my opinion. Um, all right. Race versus flair. So I had that down. So I guess here I will roll into, cause I have a couple honorable mentions afterwards, so we'll have plenty to talk about, but this one, um, is more modern, but I think probably if I'm going to narrow it down, this was probably the most important match of the past 15 years out of that 40 years. And it is the undertaker and Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 30. And that's one that you didn't know was going to be the mo- one of the most important matches. Right. <laughs> right. The match where you're like, okay, like I dig Brock, but he ain't beating, he ain't beating the undertaker. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's the it's the Ivan Koloff Bruno San Martino. Of it era. is it is, <laughs> and it's even more impressive because they shut up like sixty thousand people. <laughs> and I don't know if he knew, but part of me doesn't think Paul Heyman even knew what the outcome of that match was going to be. 
I don't think so. If if he did, he's a fantastic actor because he was like, oh, my God, you did it. (laughs) Oh, my God, you did it. Holy shit. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Like, everything about that, like, match was fantastic. And um, I I, I can't, I I don't don't have a, I don't want to say I don't have a whole lot to say about it. But, yeah, it was the... It was a match that you didn't know at the moment that was going to... I thought it was like, okay, this is going to be a good match. Taker's going to go out there. Brock's going to go out there. They're going to go like 20, 25 minutes. Brock's going to like fuck up an F5. Taker will choke slam him and that'll be it. Mm-hmm. And and if they would have done that, Brock would have lost nothing because he just lost to the Undertaker. You exactly. know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what I was thinking. I was just like, Brock loses nothing if he loses the Undertaker. I didn't think, oh, Brock wins everything if he beats The Undertaker, and then it mm-hmm. happened, and everybody was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> I can remember even sitting in the living room with you and Kyle, and we were just talking <laughs> and shooting the shit, like, and it was like, boom, 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 and we were all just like, what the uh, fuck? Like, we uh, had to pause it and go smoke a cigarette, because yeah. we didn't know what to do. <laughs> the rest of that WrestleMania... Like, yeah, there's the great moment at the end where Daniel Bryan gets the title and et cetera. But it's almost like the rest of that WrestleMania didn't happen that night because when, when, when Taker lost that match, like, and it's, it would sound silly for someone that's, for someone that's not a wrestling fan to hear us say it. But to be honest, when under, when Lesnar pinned Undertaker, the fucking world stood still. Like, it was like, <laughs> and, and it, I thought you were going to say like, oh, the rest of that they should have. I thought you were going to say they should have put it on last, but they couldn't have. They mm-hmm. couldn't have put that on last. Like WrestleMania would have ended with just everybody like, what? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would have um, been. It would have been, been kind of awesome, actually. <laughs> Dead silence. Just, yeah. just Michael Cole <laughs> being like, "All right, that's it. That's it. <laughs> Thanks." But yeah, I mean it. It was, it was, it the reason I put it on the, on my top three was because of that. Cause in the past 40 years in my wrestling, in my wrestling fandom, there are not many match outcomes. And there are match outcomes where like maybe there was a heel turn or something that was a surprise or whatever, but there's, there's very few match outcomes in my wrestling fandom that just the finish just blew my fucking mind, changed my world as a wrestling fan. Like that there's never going to be another streak. Like there won't ever be another streak like Undertaker's streak. That's never going to happen again. Not at least, not at least while we're alive. Yeah. And, and for it to come to that end and that decision to be made, because be honest, I'll be honest. I personally was of the mindset until 2014 Undertaker's last match, he's going to win at WrestleMania and ride off into the sunset undefeated, you know? And instead, he did the Terry Funk thing, and he put the new guy over. And we we would say Brock Lesnar would lose nothing by beating the Undertaker. But I do think hindsight, and because at the time I thought, man, if they were going to give Undertaker's streak, why didn't they give it to somebody to build a new star, like a Wade Barrett or somebody like that? at that time. And I look back on it now and I think it was the perfect decision because it essentially elevated Brock, even though he was already a huge star, he's now in that, in that air with Taker. And, and, you know, he's, he is up there with Taker and Andre as one of the biggest attractions in wrestling history and him having that on his, that notch on his belt makes his mystique just so much more impressive. Yeah. So, He's the only guy that can say it. Yep. <laughs> All right. Uh, my next match will be uh, Shawn Michaels versus Razor Ramon WrestleMania 10 ladder match. I did not. I actually did not have that on my list, but that's a good pull. And it's not even my favorite match from WrestleMania 10. My favorite match from WrestleMania 10, obviously, is uh, Bam Bam Bigelow and Luna Vashon versus Doink and Dink. <laughs> A kid, it's <laughs> it is funny. It is funny when Luna's pulling Dink around by his stupid little yeah, hat. Or his yeah, little they lose the plot at the end of that match. It goes <laughs> in the fucking toilet. A bunch of shit <laughs> fucked up at the end of it. 
But no, um, that is on my list for the same reason that, well, shouldn't be to say the same reason, but similar reasons why I said Flair and Race. Sean was, was, the inter, was an Intercontinental Champion, and Sean was the guy that, like, they weren't burying him, but he wasn't, like, you know, big guy on the show or anything mm-hmm. like that. He was the Intercontinental Champion. He was having the good matches. He was doing this. He was doing that. But I think that ladder match is the match that Vince McMahon went. That's my dude. Mm -hmm. Like that guy right there, we're going to do something with him. Because after that, it was, I mean, a year later, he's main event in WrestleMania. And then the next night, he's the biggest baby face in their company. I mean, it's, it's just, it was, it was the Austin 316 moment of Shawn Michaels' career. He went out there and showed that he's the, he was, at that time, the best guy in the fucking ring. Mm-hmm. Well, and not just that. Not just that. But what that match did also is, and, and for good or bad, and we're not talking about, we're just talking about importance, but also what that match did for good or bad was that match opened the door for things like the TLC matches, the money in the bank matches, you know, your, your Hardy boys and your edge and Christians. And to this day, you're fucking young bucks or whatever. But I'm just saying like, it was, it was a revolutionary match that it much like, much like the stuff that, that they were doing in Japan help, you know, spurn the NWO or even to a certain extent, ECW and et cetera, et cetera. It was a match that set a tone for a future generation or a future movement in wrestling yeah. too. And those two got nobody else could have done it, but those two guys, people, yeah. people like to, I hate when people say Shawn Michaels wrestled a ladder. I want to spit in their face. Yeah. Razor did his job in that match. And Scott Hall, Scott Hall is one of the most, I don't want to say underrated. Cause I know there's a lot of people that like him, but for as being a pro wrestler, <laughs> that's what we do on this show people we lose the point but anyway being a pro wrestler for i should say for being a pro wrestler scott hall was severely underrated like i don't think yeah sure they he gets talked about because he was in the click and stuff but when people talk about the great wrestlers i i'm a i I guess i think scott hall is better than a lot of other people do because i think that guy was he was fucking awesome he was was, so good and and Natural. John Michaels uh, has said that uh, Scott was the smartest of all of them to the wrestling business. Mm-hmm. And he said that Scott was smart but didn't think he was. Like, he, he's all like, he's even said that, that at some, I know Scott had like demons and things like that, but he said mm-hmm. Scott was. Honestly, the probably the more humble of all of them. Like he'd say something, and he'd be like, "Oh, it's, that's stupid. Never mind." And then the other guys would be like, "No, that's super smart, brilliant." Yeah. Like, like, like uh, Kevin Nash knew how to do a leapfrog, and was doing it in his matches. And Scott Hall said, "Why the fuck would you do a leapfrog? Like you're you're seven foot tall and like three hundred and seventy five pounds. Why would you need to jump over somebody? Just <laughs> punch them or put your foot out." And then he was like, nah, nah, I'm stupid. I don't know what I'm talking about. And everybody in the car was like, no, you're exactly right. Spot on. Why why is this guy jumping over Dwayne Gill or something? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, like Kevin Nash diesel wouldn't like, oh, no, I got to jump away from this guy. He would just be like, yeah, (laughs) punch him in the face. Yeah, just punch him in the face. Um, And Scott was also, I mean, he learned a lot. I think I think I think that Scott Hall um, learned a lot from Kurt Henning, you know, like you know when they were together in the AWA, and because Kurt was Kurt was like uh, uh, he Kurt Henning was like Regal, you know, he was like a young veteran, you know what I mean? Like by the time by the time everybody him and everybody else are in their their mid twenties, like Kurt Henning's like ah shit, I've been doing this ten years, you know, yeah. and you know wrestling with you know wrestling around with his dad and all that shit. And I think that I think that you can see that in Scott Hall. You can see, you can see the 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 influence of Kurt Henning in him. Yeah, he was never going to be. I mean, 
Kurt Henning's the best pro wrestler ever. Like bell to bell natural pro wrestler ever, in my opinion. But like I said, you can I, I, I'm rambling, but you can just tell I wanted to put Scott Hall over. He yeah. just he he got under that learning tree of Kurt Henning, and you can see it, you know. So, but yeah, definitely that match. Like like I said, Aaron, like Aaron said, that was Shawn Michaels' three sixteen moment, and I think it also set the standard for a future generation of wrestlers five to ten years down the pike. Yep. The next one on my list is pretty obvious. Um, and, and there's another one that I had that I think you actually are probably going to bring up too, but this one, I'm just saying just because, just because it's Hogan and Andre WrestleMania three. That's actually um, not on my list. I didn't put it on my list. Cause I thought, uh, not that I didn't want to, but I thought like, like Archie was going to be on here too, but he had, he had family things. Oh, that's, that's so important. Yeah, big dog in us because he wants to hang out with his grandbaby. <laughs> but anyway, you, <laughs> anyway, I didn't put that on my list because I knew one of you guys would, and I was. But, uh, but since it's on yours, I'll let you elaborate on it more. Um, the the, the importance of this match can't be understated in that. It was another, it was, first of all, it was another changing of the guard because in, regardless of whether, regardless of whether the rock and wrestling connection started in 84 and Vince and Hulk Hogan was Vince McMahon's pick to be the star in that company for what probably close to 10 to 15 years, not counting Bruno, Andre was the fucking guy. And like you said about Harley earlier, we talked, you know, or Brock with Undertaker or what have you, until the guy actually passes the torch to the next guy, the guy is still the guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, and and this one was weird. I shouldn't say weird. This one was, um, I didn't mean to cut you off, but this this one was completely different because usually the torch is the belt. Mm-hmm. This wasn't even that. Like Andre wasn't the champ. Andre was never, well, he, I shouldn't say he was never the champ. He was for like 25 seconds, but it wasn't Andre giving Hulk Hogan a belt. It was Andre giving Hulk Hogan his back, if that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. like his shoulders and letting him pin him and, and, and I don't know if there's ever a match where the guy that is the champ is the guy that gets more over because he won the match, if that makes sense. <laughs> you no, know, you're right. Like like I said, it was literally that whole first three years of Hogan's run, there was always the Hulk Hogan's the champ, Hulk Hogan's the guy, Hulk Hogan's the guy on the cartoon, he's the guy on the ice cream bar. Hulk Hogan's the guy, but Andre's still the man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> and, and talking about like with Harley and Flair and the buildup and everything, that match would have still been impactful. But if and and you know when I say this, I'm I'm saying a lot because I love this dude. But like, if it would have been, and and I know he wasn't like necessarily managing at this time, but if that would have been like. Fred Blassie or Jimmy Hart mm-hmm. like coming out with Andre, it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been as a big a deal. But it, the fact that Bobby Heenan was the guy that Andre went with. Yes. Because, like, that, that was that was the that was like the straw that like like Hogan wasn't mad that Andre was challenging for the belt. Hogan was mad because he was with Bobby. Bobby Heenan. Like, what are you doing with him? Like, why are you with him? <laughs> yeah. Like, like I, if you would have just asked me for a shot, I would have gave it. Like, he, he wasn't mad that Andre was asking for a shot or that Andre's feelings were hurt. He was apologizing about his feelings being hurt and saying, if you wanted a match, you should have just asked. But mm-hmm. why, are you with, why are you with Bobby Heenan? Like, <laughs> this fucking guy that's been that's been my arch nemesis for 
<laughs> going on five years now. Yeah. Even before I got here, this guy was a pain in my ass. He cut and, your hair. He raped your dignity. <laughs> yeah, and you're with him. And, and this, the entire buildup for it was great. And that's why it's also one of the best heel turns ever because, because since Bobby had come to the WWF, yeah, he'd sent guys after Hogan, but he was always sending guys after Andre too. And you know his guy, him and his guys cut Andre's hair, and him and his guys took Andre's money, and him and his guys put Andre on the shelf, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then for Andre to go, oh, but I can't, I'm, I need my title shot, so I'm going to go with it. It was, it was, it's one of the great heel turns ever, just because, just because of who, who all's involved, obviously. But the fucking, and that's why you can't have this greatness in wrestling anymore, because there is not. Whether it's Vince McMahon who lived through it, or Tony Khan who, the fuck, there's not there's not a wrestling writer or promoter out there today, and there probably aren't wrestling fans out there today with the patience to tell that story. And and obviously, I'm not saying that from the beginning Vince McMahon knew when he hired Bobby Heenan in '85 that he was going to do all this and then turn Andre in '87, but. When you look back on it, literally two and a half years, you know, of Bobby yeah. and Andre at each other's throats and stuff. And then to do that turn, pro, modern wrestling would never have that patience anymore for anything like that. Yeah. Because they, they would, I, I use this as an example and I don't want to get off on a tangent, but that whole Cody Rhodes MJF deal, that could have been, that could have been what made AEW. If yeah. they would have, if they would have let that, if they would have let that build for a long time, and then, but they, but they told the story in what two months, like, <laughs> yeah, and that's what I was gonna say. Would if you would go on it now, and you would have Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant in this modern era, the minute, the minute that, like, okay, say they're in the WWE. And, and Andre's been in the WWE, and he's been this big star, and da 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 da. And they finally sign Hulk Hogan away from from AEW. I'm just using that as an example. I'm just saying, yeah. like, okay, this guy's finally got signed. The minute he walked in the door, he'd be confronting Andre because they were gonna, they'd be like, oh, we got to get this Andre Hogan thing going. Yeah. It's thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like TNA, TNA. I'll use that as an example. The minute Kurt Angle showed up, automatically they were like, oh, we got to have. We gotta have Joe and we gotta have yeah. Joe and Kurt. Yeah. <laughs> like, why not let Joe and Kurt and I and I'm not I'm not gonna get on a TNA. I'm just using this as an example. Why not mm-hmm. let Joe and Kurt simmer for like two years? Yeah. Let, let them, them have feuds with other people. Yeah. You know? Maybe even have them on the same side a couple times and and shit like that. But it's like yeah. There's no there's no patience. Yeah. But no, like I said, I mean, to me, the significance of this match and the reason I put it down as being so important was because of that. And obviously, you know, the the, the record gate um, that it did at the time. But, yeah, just the fact that at that time, that it, it, I don't want to make it sound – I'll put it this way, but it's not – I don't want it to make – I don't want it to sound the way I mean it, but it's the only way I can put it. For Hogan to really be the guy, you had to get on the Andre thing out of the way. And that's why, to me, it's so significant because it just it just propelled it propelled Hogan into the as Dusty would say the stratosphere, baby. And yeah, so that's that's my take on that one. All right. Um, do we want to do our honorable mentions or our number ones first? Well, actually, I already did all well because you had race and flair. Yeah. Um, and I didn't have mine in particular order, so oh, my three. My, yeah, my three actuals are Taker, Lesnar, Race, and Flair, and Hogan and Andre. So now I have a few honorable mentions, and but so I'll let you do your uh, numero uno there. All right, um, and it's the one I put on our Facebook page. It's Hulk Hogan and Mr. T versus Roddy Piper and Paul Orndorff. And that was one of my uh, my um, honorable mentions too. And I'll let you go ahead with your uh, reasoning. It's like Piper said, I was on WrestleMania before it had a number. You know what I mean? Like this is the this was the make or break for Vince McMahon. 
and people can say what they want to say about the WWF and Vince in the 80s and everything like that. And I know uh, Jim Cornette's gone out and said that, you know, wrestlers were making money before Vince got in there, and that's true, and I respect that, and I respect um, everything that, like, the NWA did and and Mid-South and all that, and I love it, okay? Mm -hmm. Like, I just... I don't just like pepperoni pizza. You know what I mean? I like to eat a Supreme pizza every once in a while. Yeah. Eat a meat lover's pizza every once in a while. And I, and and sometimes I just like plain cheese, which would be the AWA. (laughs) But Vince McMahon's pizza had everything on it and it was super entertaining. And like, this was the thing that made it. And, um, and I don't want to get off on this big tangent, but this is the other thing. Like, um, Vince McMahon did do a cartoonish type show. Like, I love watching TNT. Me too. TNT is enjoyable as shit, and and it allowed these guys to go there, make good money, and not have to bust their head open every single night. And wrestle sixty minute matches, and 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 also it was a new way. It was a new way of um, teaching your audience about the characters. Yeah, like you know, in territory wrestling, there was the desk, and there was Gordon Soley, and and here comes the wrestler, and he sits down at the desk with Gordon Soley, and they have a chit chat. Granted, Vince McMahon's gimmicks were. We're, okay, maybe not a little more, a lot more outlandish, yeah. but it was the same basic principle. This wrestler's coming down, he's sitting down, he's telling us about his personality and, and who he is. That way, when you go to the arena, you know what David Schultz's fucking story is. You know what I mean? And and I, I don't want this to be like a TNT jerk-off session, but <laughs> I was just saying, like, I was using that example, but, like, this match was... Like I said, the make or break for Vince, and it was it was everything that he wanted, good or bad. It was everything he wanted his company to be, and it's the thing that shot it into the fucking stratosphere. Like not to piggyback on what you said, mm-hmm. but after '85, man, everybody's making money. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> like Vince. The people that Vince didn't put out of business, everybody was making money. And that's the other thing, too. They go, oh, Vince gobbled up all the territories. Vince offered all those guys money and (laughs) said, hey, instead of me coming in here and putting you out of business, why don't you just go ahead and sell me your business and help me promote here? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, he told these guys, I don't want to put you out of business how do I like I I don't want to put you out of business I want to buy your business and then you can be my booking guy for this region right and all yeah, of them he, like, no 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 so he's like all right you're done, <laughs> you're done. Right, then a few of them, a few of them a few of them stood up you know what I mean they didn't mm-hmm. like Wallers like the Lawler mm-hmm. Jarrett and the and the Crockets and shit they held their own but all them other people I guarantee by eighty seven they were like fuck. <laughs> Take that money. Yeah, because the only ones that really uh, survived were the Crockett's and Lawler. Fritz Fritz hung out for Fritz hung in for a little bit, but Fritz actually. I don't want to get deep in the weeds here. Fritz Fritz killed himself, but you know, you know, I really do. Let me just make the statement, and then I'll move on. I really do think because of how diehard those people in Dallas and that Texas area loved the Von Erichs. I really do think. If Fritz wouldn't have made the stupid promoter moves that he made to make his audience kind of hate his guts, he probably would have lasted as long as Lawler. Probably, you know. But anyway, that's that's a whole other show. We could do we could do a whole world class show. But, yeah. but uh, I, no, I, yeah, this match, like I said, it's the match that that it it's the match that changed wrestling. It took it as being a. And I know people have smoke filled arenas and this that and everything. This is the match that did it. It's the match that it's the match that changed wrestling. It took it from being a regional based 
product. All right, so now we'll roll on with our honorable mentions here. Are we doing um, the head of the fans? We'll do. I'll do the fans last to wrap up. All right, to see if which ones coincided with ours. I'm going to throw one out here. CM Punk and John Cena at Money in the Bank 2011. All right, this is, um, you know, for me, when the the waters start getting muddied and I get a little time frame confused. Is this when he was leaving and, like, he put the belt in the fridge and everything like that? This this was, yeah, this was right after the pipe bomb. And... It, 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 the match itself, to me, is important. The stuff leading up to it, the impact the match had. Um, very rarely does a crowd cha- uh, cheer so loud that it shakes the, the fucking cameras. Um, Punk was as over as any pro wrestler ever in that two-month period. Now, did the WWE fuck it up afterwards? Yes. You know, they should have... Stri- they should have... We can we can tell about talk about all the mistakes they made afterward. How they should have let Punk, you know, go wrestle on indie feds and and be gone for six months or whatever. Back to the rushing it. They did rush it afterward, but the build up and then that match itself. It's one of Cena's best matches, and he had some really good matches. People like to shit on Cena. He had some. He was a great pro wrestler, and he had some great matches. It's one of my favorite Cena matches, and everything about it is perfect. And at that time, especially at that time, it stuck out because everything had become so generic and so so marginalized and sterilized. And that punk thing was just fantastic. Yeah. I'll give you that. Um, I'm just going to get this one out of the way because I know everybody... So I'm just going <laughs> to get it out of the way. Somebody was going to bring it up. Uh Michael's Brett at Survivor Series. Everybody was going to talk about that. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there's not a whole lot to say about it, but if you're all, and like I said, it's been, the screw job's been beat to death. It's, yeah. It's like Negan beating but, into the ground. But you can't, if you're going to talk about a list like this, you can't not bring it up. No, absolutely not. And it, it was, it, it was important for multiple reasons. First, in our lifetime, uh, I mean, other than Wendy Richter and the Spider Lady, it was the it was the only you know because they they did you know back in the day back in the olden days or whatever they had screw job finishes you know, but yeah. you know there's there's people that say uh, the the whole Bruno uh, uh, Buddy Rogers thing was that type of a deal, but in our modern lifetime that was that was the only high profile one and. Not only that, but what it was also important because of what it did for the WWF in that it created the Mr. McMahon character. Yeah. You know, the the outcome of that match was Vince McMahon became heel Vince McMahon. And even though he didn't think it was going to, he thought he was going to be the baby face. (laughs) And he just flat out said that he was running the company. There's been instant, like people always say, oh, it's the first time Vince acknowledged that he was the owner of the, or the, the promoter, it's that's not the first time he acknowledged on TV that he was the promoter. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, there's a TNT where he's accepting the Madison Square Garden Hall of Fame for his dad and says, like, much like my dad and grandfather, I'm going to keep promoting the God. And, you know, mm-hmm. but, it, but he, like, it wasn't him on TV on this, but he showed it. But anyway, <laughs> um, but this was his first time just straight up saying, I'm Vince McMahon and I'm the the owner of this company and um and like i said you can't you can't have a list like this and not put it on there that's why i put it on as the honorable mention um another one involving brett i don't think you can have a list like this and again if this was a top 10 list obviously these matches would be in our top 10s I don't think you can have a list like this either without discussing Brett and Austin at WrestleMania 13. Yeah. I mean, it's the best, it's the best double turn ever done, ever done, I think. And the match is, 
to say iconic is almost is almost not big enough. Like it is to me, even though it's it's crazy because it's 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 at a downtime for the WWF. It's dur- it's the only WrestleMania that never sold out, and that match is almost as iconic as Hogan and Andre. Yeah, you know, and it's masterfully done. Oh God, it's beautiful. It's it is a piece of fucking art. It is beautiful. And I mean, a lot of people shit on thirteen. Like the rest of the card, I like thirteen. I think it's a cool like WrestleMania. But yeah, the 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 Bret Hart Steve Austin match to me is and is was that match the beginning of the? <laughs> it was the beginning of the walking brawl too. That Jeff Jarrett turned into a fucking career. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff Jarrett was like, "That's me. I'm doing that from now on. It's the walking brawl for Jeff Jarrett, baby." <laughs> But anyway, hey, Jeff, you? you're fighting a shark boy tonight. Walking brawl. We're going to start it in row five. And, but it's just shark boy. It's what I do, man. It's what I do, man. <laughs> I don't know no different. <laughs> Road dog stole my other gimmick. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Do you, have, do you have another one? I have two. And I can give you my... One that you're going to be, like, I shouldn't say out of left field, but it's going to be one that's not on anybody's list, or I can give you, like, my main event one. 20 month first. I, I have, I have, I also have one that I didn't think was going to be on anybody else's list, so go ahead and do that one. All right. It's Steve Dahl versus The Mauler from Nitro. I like that. I like that, because that's the match that Scott Hall... Walked into, and uh, and you know the you, you know who, you know I, who am. I am. No, you don't know why I'm here. Yes, the Mahler versus Steve Dahl <laughs> is one of the most important matches in the history of professional wrestling. <laughs> the match that changed everything. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. And God bless them. <laughs> they they stood there like a couple of fucking dildos while Scott Hall called to cut his promo. But, yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> um, I actually had down... That match of- also, by the way, was... Uh, that was a commercial break match. Like, there was even a commercial break in that match. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they were actually having a pretty good match. I'm not going <laughs> to overanalyze Steve Dahl versus the Mauler. But I'm just saying, that match, it was... When you're watching it, if you didn't know what was going to happen, like watching it now, you're like, oh, this is when Scott Hall shows up. We have no idea. You're just like, why are they doing the Mauler versus Mike? Steve Dahl, what's going on? Uh, they're going to do a commercial break and a Mike Eno Steve Dahl match. And the then fuck all is the going, yeah. Scott Hall shows up. And you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> I had down as, because uh, I had two, I had. Another one, and then the one that I didn't think anybody would bring up. But just to piggyback off what you just said, I had down the six man at Bash at the Beach in '96. Yeah, um, as uh, as one of the most important. Um, and I mean, not much explaining. Not not, not much explaining needs done there. Hulk Hogan turns heel. I mean, at that time, in that era, at that place. Not only were we surprised, but at this point, wrestling fans like us were relieved. Because how tired was that that fucking Hulk Hogan gimmick? Yeah. You know? I mean, and and that's not taking anything away from Hogan, but it just it had just run its course. It was dead and just floating in the water. Yeah. And it was so bad at that point. And to give him that refresh was, was like just what he third, needed. It was like the third Smokey and the Bandit movie. <laughs> Go away. That's why I never understand when I read that, like, oh, Hogan was on the fence about doing it. I'm like, God, why? <laughs> why were you on the fence? I can understand it? why he was on the fence about it. But once it happened, he realized, okay, this is gangbusters. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I understand why he was, but... Mm-hmm. So, do you want to do? Uh, do you want me to do my one that I didn't think anybody would bring up, or do you want to do your main event? 
I'll do my main event one because it'll be quick. Okay. It's just uh, Austin and uh, Michaels WrestleMania 14. Very important match. Um, it's the flip of I shouldn't say the flip because it wasn't a terrible match, but it's the flip of almost like what you said about Brett and Sean. Like WrestleMania 14, Austin Michaels. When you watch it, it's impressive what Sean's doing because he's hurt, but it's not a great match because he's hurt. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, not a lot happens in the match, per se, but the match is super important because... Which you can say about a lot of the the proceeding Attitude Era. You know, a lot, a lot of the Attitude Era is, you, you, if, you, if you just, if you just uh, mute it and put it on and you're sitting there looking at it, it's like, there ain't a lot going on here. I mean, you know, but with the spectacle... And and the way that the, the way that everything was worked and Jim Ross doing commentary and the attitude there's a lot of shitty wrestling in the attitude era, but you didn't notice because of the spectacle of it, you know? Yeah. Like how, Rock and Austin never had really good matches. Find me a really good Rock and Austin, like really good wrestling match between those two guys. That's not discounting them at all, but because what they did, they did to perfection, but yeah, it was a spectacle, you know, and yeah. God bless them for doing it. But yeah, you're absolutely right. It was uh, if you if you if you if you don't if you don't look at the context of the match, the heat of the crowd, the commentary, the everything surrounding it, it's it. It's it's it's, it's, a, it's a, maybe a three star match, maybe two and a half, you know. But yeah. for importance, absolutely. And and come to find out from the Undertaker. Uh, documentary he was sitting behind the curtain with his face with his fist taped up just in case sean didn't want to do business like i'm like oh shit (laughs) did you see that no yeah he said he said it at 14 after his his story i just didn't see the documentary oh yeah yeah he said after his match with kane he went back took a shower real quick and he didn't leave the arena he just sat at gorilla Fucking with his fist tape, like you know, we'll fucking find out what's gonna happen here. <laughs> Fuck around and find out, Shawn Michaels. <laughs> and he said Sean didn't know. Sean didn't know he was sitting there. He was just he was just gonna do it. He was gonna be the enforcer. The one that I have down here that I think that uh, people might t- turn their head at it's it's Steve Austin and Jake Roberts at King of the Ring. Turn my head at that. The, the The match is only what, like four and a half minutes long. It's not a good match. It's you know, but the importance of it is, if he wasn't wrestling that guy in that final, would he have he he wouldn't have blurted out Austin three sixteen right? Because he wouldn't have been talking about a Bible thumper. Yeah. So I mean, to me, when you think about business, <laughs> I mean, if you're talking about money. And importance to wrestling. Without this match happening on that night, you don't get Austin three sixteen. Yeah, if Vader would have beat Jake, you wouldn't have been able to cut that promo. Mm-hmm. Been like Burger King number seven, <laughs> whopper your booty. Like it's not going to work. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad I wasn't completely out of left field on that. Like I would never look. I would never rank that match as a match where I'm like, oof, I got to watch that match. But yeah, I mean, just for it's supposed to be like mm-hmm. Jake went with the injured ribs and everything like that match was designed to be a four minute fucking squash match because Jake booked it that way. Because mm-hmm. Jake, everything you want to say about him, he's a fucking smart motherfucker about professional wrestling. Yep, I will always say Jake Roberts not a good person. One of my favorite on TV. You know, like Jake isn't. He's not Bob Sweetan or Buck Zumoff. Right. He's not a guy that I'm just going to not watch out of principle because he's a piece of shit. He's just a kind of a piece of shit. But, dad, God damn it, he entertains me. So I'm going to watch him. Guy, other than, other than, um, I don't even want to say that. Never mind. Never mind. I was going to say he wasn't a guy that affected other people, but he did affect other people. So I shouldn't even say that. But he wasn't, I don't think, how do I want, I don't think other than, I don't think Jake Roberts is a malicious person, if that makes sense. No. And I don't know. Did you watch The Dark Side of the Ring about Grizzly? Yeah. I mean, 
when you watch that and you see about their life, you almost sympathize with his kids. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm not saying that they shouldn't, I'm not saying that Jake should not be accountable for the, the decisions he made in his life. You know, I have two kids who, um, could never go to anyone and say, my dad, and I'm not going to say I haven't made poor decisions in my life where I was like, you stupid fuck. You're, you know, at that moment in my, but overall, Aaron knows my kids would walk up to anybody and say, I have a really good dad. He's always been there for me, you know? So I can't, I cannot get on board with someone doing to their kids what Jake did to his kids. I can't get on board with someone, if I've never heard of Jake being like abusing anybody, yeah, but he was a bad dad, which gets a check mark for me. And then in the wrestling business, he was unreliable after he left the WWF with promoters and such, and drank piss and <laughs> you know he fucked people around and he stuff. He didn't make but, somebody drink piss. He drank his own piss. He drank his own piss. Like he hear himself, but. <laughs> We're getting we're getting into the weeds. On we Jack are, Robinson, but I'm just saying, like, I don't think we don't need to elaborate more on it. Jake, Jake and Austin, Jake and Austin was important. Yes. All right, so to round out the show tonight, you, the listeners of the show, commented on a post that I made in our We Can't Wrestle Facebook group, and if you're not in it, why aren't you in it? Get in it. Um, about the same topic, so I wanted to read your results or your uh, your answers. Ryan Damon said Hogan and Andre. Michael J. Martin had a few actually interesting ones here that uh, I didn't have listed, but could all you can make a case for a, uh, a few of them. Flair and Sting at the Great American Bash, yeah. very important, very important for WCW at that time. Um, Hogan Warrior WrestleMania Six, I I. I kind of disagree in that I think the match is a, is a, is is a it's a spectacle. It's a big time match. It's it's, it's but nothing came out of it. Yes, it wasn't. It was actually actually Warrior's unsuccessful title run came out of it. Well, that's what I'm saying. Nothing came out of it. He said Macho Man and Steamboat at WrestleMania three. I'll give a nod to that one. Yeah. Um, Hogan and Andre, obviously, The Rock and Hogan at WrestleMania eighteen. Um, that was important because that really. You know, they brought Hogan back as the, in the NWO, but him being a babyface again in the WWF back at that time in 2002, that was a big deal for us wrestling fans, you know? Because, like I said earlier, in back in 95, 96, that Hogan had gotten stale as shit. But, man, by 2002, <laughs> you were like, oh, it's the All-American Hulk Hogan again! <laughs> That's the thing of it. it. Until all the controversy came out with the um, Gawker video and everything, that's the thing that was funny about the WWF and Hulk Hogan, like the WWF fans and Hulk Hogan. When he'd leave, people would be like, "We don't want to see you again." <laughs> Good riddance, you old piece of trash. Fucking leather ass is gone. Thank goodness. And then when he'd come back, they'd be like, "Yeah," freak out. <laughs> Michael also said Flair and Michaels at WrestleMania, the retirement match for Ric Flair. Um, And this one actually, low-key, I would say... I don't think think, I've ever seen a (laughs) low-key. This one I would say I I agree with Michael J. Martin on this one. And this is another one that is kind of obscure, but in the long run works in this category. Ron Simmons beating Vader for the world championship in WCW. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, for the, you know, the first African-American world champion, that's a big fucking deal. Um, it is a big deal. And it's not the same thing because I'm not even comparing Ron Simmons to the ultimate warrior, but it was, they didn't have anybody lined up for Ron. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. Ron yeah. Wanted, and then his first feud was with Barbarian. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not knocking <laughs> Barbarian. I love Barbarian, but it's like, really? That's the first person we got? Barbarian? Mm-hmm. Like, why not Rick Rude? Why? Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or even why, uh, Ron Simmons versus Arn Anderson for the WCW Championship. Right. Yeah. Arn's not going to win. We know Arn's not going to win, but it would have been a much better 
feud that was barbarian. Better promos. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they put Cactus with him, but yeah. Bar- Barbar- uh, barbarian. Ron's win was fantastic, but the follow-up for it was just dropped. Like it was, mm-hmm. They fumbled it. Isaac George Varahas says, this is another good poll because it is important. Hogan versus Iron Sheik. Um, yeah, I mean, historically, there you go, right there. That's the beginning of Hulkamania. Um, uh, Ashley J. Smith said Austin versus Hart, best double turn ever. Brian Huff, Tiger Mask versus Dynamite Kid, January 1982. And he gives his reason here. I'll read it. It was the second match in their series against each other, and it literally changed the way modern wrestling was presented. The series as a whole proved that faster-paced matches featuring smaller wrestlers could not only draw money, but spawn a whole movement in that direction worldwide. And they did have fantastic matches, and um, I can't disagree with it. And I, it's like what we were saying about the ladder match it, and how he said it, it changed how people could view wrestling. And, and if, mm-hmm. if you watch their like MSG match, people in New York were like, what? Like they, they were, <laughs> they, they didn't have any reaction. I don't want to say they didn't have any reaction to it, but like when those guys came out, they were just like, all right, this is the thing. Yeah. But then they were like, what the fuck <laughs> is going on? And it was insane. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll totally agree with that one. Archie, Archie Mitchell commented, Hogan versus Kidman, New York rules, bro. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad he didn't show up today. <laughs> All right. Dave Duncan says, Bret Hart versus Sean, Survivor Series 97, which Aaron brought up earlier. Some guy named Aaron Maxson commented, Hulk Hogan and Mr. T versus Roddy Piper and Paul Orndorff. He agrees Smart with Aaron. Motherfucker right there. <laughs> Great minds think alike. And our buddy Ian Totten actually brought up most of what we brought up, but I'll read his comment because of his, his uh, um, reasoning. He has four. Hogan Andre, Flair Race, Starcade 83, The Outsiders versus Sting Luger Savage, and Austin versus Michaels. And his reasoning is, I think each of them is historically significant in that order as each signaled a major shift in the business. Runners-up would be Austin versus Bret Hart, Bret Hart versus Michaels, although neither had the impact on the face of wrestling as the other four did, but on a specific company. So good points there, Ian. Thank you for contributing. Thank you all for contributing, and thank you all for listening. As we do the go-home here, Aaron, anything else you want to say to our listeners this week? Nope, just thanks for interacting with the the post and thanks for listening and um i just don't really have anything else to say i guess i I think at the end of every show you should be like you know what folks keep on trucking (laughs) in like the most optimistic voice you can put it in just say like keep on trucking yeah I don't give a fuck what you do, but keep on trucking. <laughs> Eastbound and down. <Yeah>. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining who's us. The and, uh, and who's the snowman in this situation? <laughs> Am I running interference for you? Yeah, I think You're so. You're doing all the work? <laughs> Probably. Like, like snowman is <laughs> doing the work. Like snowman, he did all the work. He had to, he had to load the semi with the Coors. <laughs> he, had to get, like, he had to get the CDL. Like he has to operate <laughs> the truck. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's got to pull into the weight station and make sure everything's accurate. <laughs> he has to make sure he's running the speed limit. Fucking Bandit's just out there just doing what the fuck ever. Yeah, Bandit's just fucking Sally Field. Yeah, he's just <laughs> banging Sally Field and running over mailboxes and shit. <laughs> Snowman's the hero. He's putting in the work. He did the labor. <laughs> and with a smile on his face. Yeah. His, <laughs> his fucking cheer, his cheery disposition. Yeah. He reads the hero Smokey and the Bandit. I don't know why it took me 38 years to realize that. 
Jerry Reed has one of the best lines, one of the best songs, country song lyric like titles ever. She got the gold mine, I got the shaft. Title for a country song. That's fucking fantastic. Yeah. How did I not know that that, that song existed till this time? Oh, because Jerry Reed's fucking awesome, dude. <laughs> Amos Moses. <coughs> anyway. Thank you for joining us on the We Can't Wrestle <laughs> podcast, everybody, this week. Please do, if you're not already, join our Facebook group and check out WrestleNet Radio. It is 24-7, 365 Pro Wrestling Talk, where you can hear episodes of this show, Reliving the Extreme, the Asylum Wrestling Podcast. Archie's got his show, If You Smell What the Arch is Cooking. We got the 25 Years Ago show going on. We have a, a new uh, a new group of guys that are doing a show called the Wrestling Wise Guys on the show. Myself and David Gold with Maximum Gold. Aaron's got his new show coming out. Lots of things happening on WrestleNet Radio. And all you got to do is look for it in the Google Play Store, and you can download the app. That being said, we're going to sign off this week. Aaron, thank you for joining me, of course. You're welcome. And we'll see everybody next time around. The Hall of Shame is coming up on the We Can't Wrestle podcast. We will see you next week, everybody. Have a great week.